This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 74 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Index Fund Advisors, IFA.com. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network. And today we have a woman who finds inspiration in the relationship between horses and humans. And we have a couple who built the largest training dog training network in the world. You're going to love them too. This is Debbie Lauks, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thank you for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month, and I have my producer, Jen, with me today. Hi, Jen. Hello. Woof, woof. Yeah, I know. We've got dogs on. I almost left the dog part out of there. Largest training network, but no, not horse training this time. Dog training. I'm very are you guys, curious are you, about that. Are you? Yeah, because you haven't heard this yet. I'm I'm excited to share it with you. So um, you have dogs. We are a, we are a dog family. Uh, yes. We have a greyhound named Glory. Glory. And we've been a She's great a rescue. She's a rescue. She a rescue. We've been a greyhound family for a number of years now. We love our greyhounds. Um, but I'm very interested in this because Glenn's the dog person in the family. Okay. I'm more of a cat person and I'm sure. Are that, you? Those yes. two don't go together. What? Well, what happened? Well, see, here's the thing. I love Glenn for him being a dog guy and he loves ah. me for being a cat girl. That's yeah. nice. So, you know, we kind of embrace each other's uh, tendencies um, mm-hmm. because I'm an introvert and, and tend to, uh-huh. and ten, introverts tend to be more drawn towards kitties, I think, because kitties tend to be introverts. Right. True. Mm-hmm. And uh, Glenn loves his dog, but Glenn is a very poor dog trainer. Aha. Yes. Okay. So and I, I'm probably not much better. Oh, you're, you're, well, you're a cat trainer and we know how that goes. <laughs> exactly. Cats, cats, cats don't need to be trained. They just are what they are. Right. Do you have a cat? Do you actually we, keep a cat then? We no longer have a kitty. Our kitty passed oh. away um, a few months back. We had a kitty named oh, Beast and he ruled the house. Oh, Yes, Maybe it's more like a dog. <laughs> yeah, he ruled the house like a dog. Um, so I'm very, it's it's interesting how some people are dog people and some people are cat people. But I know your mom's a serious dog person. Serious, yeah, and serial dog person. <laughs> <laughs> she usually only has one at a time, but she overlaps, you know, because one trains the next one on. And they are good dog trainers. Both mom and dad are good. And mom's showing the agilities now, too. So so if we come back to visit you, should we compete with your, no, Greyhound? No, I'm, I'm hearing no. <laughs> you, well, we've, we have trained, we have successfully trained our Greyhound to come to the door when she escapes the backyard. Okay, that's good. Oh, I see, come back to the back door. Yes. Okay. Now, we're not saying that she comes back immediately. She just comes back. <laughs> when she gets hungry. <laughs> yeah, she comes back and she knows she gets a really tasty cookie at the front door. <laughs> And and the, we're having a problem now, though, because for the first two years or so we lived here at this house, the backyard where she goes out, she goes out every day for about half an hour uh, max and soaks up some sunshine. And that's all she wants. She doesn't want to be outdoors. She wants to be hanging around in here with us. Uh, so we put nice. her out there and we'll every five minutes we have a timer on the refrigerator and every five minutes we open the back door and say, you want to come in yet? And if she wants to come in, she does. And if she doesn't, she doesn't. We close the door again, but she has discovered that there's a five minute interval. <laughs> she knows the clock. That's she knows funny. the clock. So what she does is she waits for us to open the door. Say, do you want to come in? She says, no, we close the door. And then she escapes through the, the hole in the gate and comes around oh. to the front door. 
immediately. And she comes racing in the front door, and her crate is like 15 feet from the front door, and it's a straight shot into the crate. (laughs) Is that because the treat's in there? Because that's where the treat happens. Oh, you've got her so trained like a pet chicken. Well, if she comes in the back door, when we open the back door and say, is it time to come in yet? When she comes in there, she's much further from the crate when she comes in the back door. I see. And it's around the corner. And she has to line figure that she can't exactly. She can't get there as fast. (laughs) So funny. And she's a greyhound. So So now we have fixed the hole in the back gate. So she really can't get through the back gate anymore. And she's not real happy about it. So she hops up (laughs) to the back door and she kind of goes, can you please let me out the gate so I can come in the front door? (laughs) (laughs) Not the back door. Because she she can't run. Because greyhounds have this thing. They're either walking quietly and just about ready to fall asleep. Yeah. Or they're running full tilt at 40 miles an hour. Straight. As straight as possible. As straight as possible. Anyway. <laughs> That's right. There's not a lot of in between. That's Un- funny. Unlike you're, your mom's you're... dogs, they're like twisty turny. That's right. That's right. And agility dog. Mom's, mom's monk is so funny. He's, you know, he loves going through the tube and he jumps the jumps and he weaves the poles and he's just hilarious. He's actually hilarious. And he's just always smiling, which is cute. And in, I, I hate to tell on mom because she's really good at this. She's really, really good, but he's really, really fast. Mm-hmm. And so if she's going, you know, you have to go with the dog you through have to the agility them, you? course. You yeah. guide, you're the, you're the guide. And if, if she doesn't run fast enough, he barks at her. <laughs> <laughs> hurry up, hurry up. Like, hurry up. <laughs> he must know their time. No, he just enjoys it so much. He just oh, enjoys going through it at a, you know, hectic pace. And mom's like, oh, you know, got to put some age on this dog or something. <laughs> <laughs> he's just too fast. No, he's, she's having a ball, though. It's fun. For her, you know, it's all Rainers and all um, Aussie. So she's just having a, a ball. Has know. she always had Aussie dogs or she has, has she had other kinds too? She's had stock cattle dogs. The Australian cattle dogs was the blue dogs, you know, for generations. They're like the small and, ones with the stick up ears, aren't they? Yeah. Or are they more yeah, like an Aussie? 20, 20 ears and, and they've got a big jaw on them, kind of yeah. a, you know, big jaw on them. Yeah. Yeah. Really loyal dogs, really wonderful dogs. But this one is, an, you know, an agility dog, the Aussie, uh, you know, more Australian looking dog. And, um, the cute thing, the cute story was that she didn't want to get another dog. She thought, no, I don't want, you know, invest in another puppy and the whole thing, but I'll get a lap dog. So we, you know, searched high and low. My sister found a breeder locally that, uh, had these little mini Aussies. They're adorable. You know, they're just little lap dog Aussies. Mommy's small, daddy's small, beautiful little dogs and monk she got him she picked him out of the litter just thought he was just gorgeous and he kept growing and growing and (laughs) growing and growing and so he's a throwback he went full well he's you know i would say 90 percent 90 percent yeah i've met monk and he's pretty big yes he doesn't sit in your lap very well you would have to have a (laughs) very large lap for monk to fit in there she doesn't have a large lap so it's just really cute together well we'll have to get you two dogs together but you're gonna love you're gonna love uh bark busters and the whole um training procedure sylvia and danny are just amazing and and you're just gonna love them and we should we should hear from lucy sewell who is an amazing photographer what i did was i got an interview together with dad and monty roberts and lucy sewell because they had an experience together when lucy came out to to uh, photograph dad and shy boy for a book that she's doing. Oh. And I think you're just going to love her story. It's, um, it's really a, a story about her soul. Oh, neat. Well, let, mm. Let's, uh, let's uh, introduce Lucy right after this from IFA. 
Hi, I'm Mark Hebner, president of Index Fund Advisors and proud owner of Monty Roberts Willing Partners graduate, He's a Sugar Bear. <laughs> you know, investment portfolios are a lot like horses. You need to find one that best suits you, your temperament, and your stage of life. Some people might like an energetic horse and an aggressive investment portfolio, while others are more comfortable with a gentle ride and a more conservative investment portfolio. The trick is to find the one that's right for you. That's what Index Fund Advisors is all about, matching people with portfolios, risk-appropriate, low-cost, and globally diversified investment portfolios. You can find the right portfolio for you by taking the Risk Capacity Survey at ifa.com. That's IFA as an Index Fund Advisors. Or you can call us toll-free at 888-643-3133. That's 888-643-3133. Lucy Sewell is a photographer best known for her perceptive portraits of major British celebrities. Her work has been published worldwide and is held in the collection of the National Portrait Gallery. And she is commissioned by major publishing houses, national institutions, and magazines, too. Her work is exhibited in the Getty Image Gallery and the National Portrait Gallery. Her most recent major publication was 100 Years of British Music, for which Lucy was exclusively commissioned by the PRS to record some of the last century's major musical contributions, including Dame Edna, uh, Dame Edna, she's a comedian over there, he actually, Andrew Lloyd Webber, Phil Collins, David Cameron, Dizzy Rascal, and Bob Geldof. Her new book, Horses and Humans, is the most personal of her works to date, using her photos to explore the significance of horses in her own life and in the lives of others. This project took her across, uh, across Britain to Ireland and the United States and North Africa to reveal the amazing bond that animals have with their owners and handlers. Yes, hi Monty, hi, it is Lucy, how are you? I'm okay, and you? I'm all right, yes, I'm, I'm back from Morocco, I'm very glad to be home. Well, anyway, so, um, I hope you got something here that's usable. Well, I definitely did, some really good stuff from you, lovely, okay. lovely stuff, especially the shot of you in the bar, <laughs> with Shy Boy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Lucy, I, I wanted yeah. to ask you a question about that. Yeah. What do you notice, like, in the expressions of a horse that's happy and relaxed, like Shy Boy was in the saloon? <laughs> yeah, but there's a lot of relaxation. It's, a lot of it is about the jaw and the tongue and the mouth. And uh, the horses do things with their tongues. Like, they, the horses, in a lot of pictures, the horse is a little bit concerned. It sticks its tongue out between its teeth. And you can't see that when it's got a bridle on so much. It's very, it's very subtle, but there's a load of muscles all around, all around their nose. And, and, and stallions especially, they seem to have the most facial expression. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's something I, I, I'm really, really interested in. And I've got, you know, I've got loads of headshots of horses and, um, and, and loads of headshots of people. And, and you can see the people and the horses. You can see the connection. Mm. And, and it's why I want to take the bridles off horses. And because then I said to you when I, when I was with you, Debbie, that that's when you really see what the horse thinks of the person. Yeah. Because they, 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 they kind of go off duty. They relax. Mm-hmm. They, but and, and with you and Shy Boy, it's really interesting because at the end of the shoot we had in, the, in front of the back black cloth, you were standing there, you were trying to talk to me, and he interrupted you because he came up to you and he, yeah. he kind of nibbled you. 
And I've got a picture yeah. of him and his head is right the way up your arm. And he's just yeah. gently nibbling on your on your ear. Now, that's what a horse does to another horse when it really yeah. likes it. And when it's going yeah. up saying, I'm your friend, and I, I don't forget, I'm still here. And he was doing that to you. Now, that is, that's a real honour from a horse. Yeah. Because yeah. he didn't have to do that. You were, you were, you know, you were... You, you were such a good human. You were actually a horse to him. You know, you're better than you're better than a human being. So that is yeah. that is ultimate compliment. And, yeah. Um, well, so you know, they, when you get a bond, uh, they will get jealousy. Um, they they yeah. want to be they want to be in on every conversation. And yeah, um, yeah, because I was know, talking to you and he didn't. <laughs> no, he was they, a star. they don't. They don't. Yeah, they don't want you to vacate them. But I did yeah. predict before he went in there, and that's the first time he's ever been in the saloon. He's been in the yeah. classroom and many auditoriums yeah. and things like that. But I predicted that he would play with the pool balls, and uh, yes. that's it the first thing he went for, yeah. you know. Yeah. So uh, it's it's amazing. I mean, <laughs> a, a, stress, a stressed horse can't do that. They just simply no. can't do play. that kind of no. thing. That's a strange thing. He was exploring, thing to wasn't he? He was playing. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they, horses, they, they, horses, yeah. horses don't accept things that are strange to them unless mm. they're completely relaxed. And uh, yeah. a, a pool a pool table with those rolling balls has to be strange to that horse. Yeah. There's no question yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, it's, it's just it's very interesting. You, you get people to go a little bit out of their comfort zone with their horse as well, and that's mm. when people start. It, and it becomes very interesting. Then you really see the communication. Mm going on mm. between the two. But I would I would love to be able to with my pictures show people that, you know, what what your horse is really what your horse is saying to you, what you can actually understand from the, the yeah. look on its face. It's not just about their ears. Um yeah. you know, it's not it's not about whether their ears are for it that's part of it, but that's the most obvious bit. But there's a there's a whole lot more mm-hmm. that they're um yeah. they're saying to us. Do you see do you see relaxation in the jaw or do you see tenseness in the jaw too? Eyes? You, yeah, you yes, yeah, yeah. You see ten, definitely tension in the jaw. They kind of and I, whether that's because they're used to having a bit in their mouth mm-hmm. and and their head controlled, but they do they do, they kind of very very tense. But they, you can you can see the, you know, the relaxation as well. Mm-hmm. It's it's in the eyes as well. You know the, the the Arab horses they want to see the whites of their eyes. Well, I think that's mm-hmm. the horse that's scared actually and um yeah and they and they lift their lower their upper eyelids i think when they're frightened mm-hmm. as well that's a they, they're a bit like we do they have a definite mm-hmm. eyelid opening startle mm-hmm. and and then they have a very relaxed eye as well and their and their nostrils relax and they look very soft around the nose and um yeah, yeah so Lucy, it's, it's, tell it's us about hu- your join up because now I'm seeing you in the round pen with that beautiful yeah. Arabian, and I'm she thinking about you. Yeah, watching her and and thinking about join up at the same time, and your where yeah. your body's supposed to be. Tell us about your join up. Well, I, I you know I was so thrilled to get an Arab because I love them, and and my background has been with Anglo Arabs and horses, flighty, lovely, lovely horses like that. So that was the best horse <laughs> I could have I could have come across there, and yeah, it was just amazing to be with this this beautiful beautiful creature and, and the, the thing about and i've done join, join up at home with our horses and i've kind of got used to it but this but she was different and the way i've done it when i did it with you i've probably been doing it wrong at home but i couldn't see her but i could feel her coming up to me and you, you just know don't you you can't see them but you could just feel the presence of this horse and it, it yeah. wants to be with you and it trusts you and that has to be what it's about. It's not about making them do stuff. It's it's when you yeah. discover that there is so much more that is possible. 
that yeah. way. But Lucy, if you've got the horse, yeah. Sorry, Lucy, you, Sorry. you'd be interested. You'd be interested in the position that you're in right now to know that um, there is a fellow that calls himself an expert, and he he um, pretends to be or or puts out that he's a scientist and he knows all about horses. Mm-hmm. And he's he's discovered this wonderful thing um, that um, professionals can generally get a better result from their work than amateurs can. Mm. Um, right. I'm not I'm not sure that's a new discovery because <laughs> yeah. Yeah. in in every <laughs> endeavor in life a professional is probably going to get a better performance. But mm. um, he goes on to say that um, join up is is actually uh, inhumane because. Um, amateurs make mistakes and they they can't get it right and mm-hmm. if that's the case my position is that uh if you use traditional horsemanship amateurs get it wrong oh, and it's yeah. far more it's far yeah. more injurious yeah. than than yeah. showing up ever thought of being yeah. because we're not forcing the horse to do anything we're no, allowing we're the horse to, no yeah yeah so they are they so are free to, to I, join up this or not. <laughs> this has helped to me in your forward. Um, I would love to bring it forward that mm. uh, that your mindset is, is this way and that you see that yeah. value in taking the halter off, letting the yeah, horse yeah. be completely yeah. free and, yeah. um, yes. you know, yeah. uh, allowing yeah. the horse to do it because they want to and not because they're forced yeah. to. Because that feels that feels so good. That's what it's about, isn't it? It it has to be a then then it's a partnership. Until then, it's not. It's a part. It's, yeah. it's, it's something being being submissive and somebody being dominant. But it, it needs to be a, a partnership. And then it's lovely. It's lovely for them, and it's and it's lovely. It's good for us. It's good for us as human beings, isn't it? It makes us better people. Exactly. Yeah. Lucy, yeah. you're writing a book. I know you're doing a, a, photographic, mm. a photographic journal um, right now, yes. traveling the world. Tell us what your, what your what are your goals with the book, not in sales. I'm talking about what, what message yeah. do you want to give? I, I want to find there is, there is a unique bond that has gone on forever, for, I don't know, five, six thousand years between humans and horses. And I want to find out what that is. And I want to find out what the best of that is. And I want to find that in my photographs. Mm. So I'm going all over the place. I've, I've been a lot in England. I've been in Ireland. I've been in America. I've just come back from Morocco. I'm trying to find that the good thing, the, the positive connection um, between our two species. And, and I want to show it to people in a, in a picture. It's, it's about connection. And... Um, mm-hmm. And I and I and the place where I saw it most was um, with you, um, and I saw the good that can come for for you know people and horses. You know what I would love to do with you. Yeah, I had a situation here, Debbie. You could send her a tape of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a situation here where, on a given day, this feeling came over me. This thought came to me. It was probably ridiculous, but the thought came to me that I had one of these military uh, clinics at the time. Mm, yeah. And I had, I had about 20 uh, young people there who had returned from the wars of the world. And uh, it just so happens, I think it jogged my mind, it just so happened that I had quite a few of them that looked athletic and they were young, tough-looking kids, mm-hmm. you know, that had been at war. Uh, yeah. Three, three young men. And I asked them, have you ever touched a horse before? Mm. 
Yeah. Uh, this is this is during the introduction phase at, in the classroom. No, mm. not one of them had touched a horse before. And I told yeah. Denise, you know, I would like to take some of those untouched wild horses, mm. uh, a couple of them, and I would like to put these three guys in to see how long it would yeah. take for the horses to to take to them. And she yeah. said, absolutely not, Monty, you can't do it. Uh, those <laughs> no, horses are really too good. dangerous. Yeah. yeah, too dangerous they are. And I said, Denise, I want to do it, and I'll be responsible. I'll stand there. Mm. If I see that there's trouble, I'll, I'll step in. And what I have on tape is absolutely yeah. a miracle. Um, yeah. These horses accepted them, followed them, allowed them to stroke their heads, Yes, they were still wild, uh, no question about that, and I didn't have them go ahead and try to put saddles on or some silly mm, thing yeah. like that. Yeah. But just just the bonding or the communication man to horse, it was unbelievable. I would love to have you here to watch one of those things and then do yeah. your magic with mm. your limbs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, yeah. it would yeah. be phenomenal to, mm. to get those expressions because... Yeah. They 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 brought me to my knees and I've seen it all. Yeah. Because you know? I I think that's that is the next book, actually. Mm. <laughs> oh. I'm thinking ahead. But I do I would love to do so. I because the rest of the world needs to be able yeah. to see yeah. that sort of thing. Because that is yeah. just beautiful, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And Yes, um, and very few people have well, I'm not so sure that any human being that has never touched a horse before ever went yeah. in to make a bond with and have the horse no. follow him around uh, no, the first horse he's ever yeah. been connected with. Yeah. I don't think that's ever and, been done before. Uh, and you so, always wanted, do the horses know? Do the horses know these people? I don't know. Because the similarity between you know, ones come out of the wild and ones come back from war, there's mm-hmm. a, there, there, is, there is more than just a horse and a human born now, isn't there? There's a, there's that, another yeah, that was it. my thing. Lucy, that yeah. I felt that the horses could read that this was a, a mm. person in trouble, and uh, that they yeah, had see, I think certain... they can, they can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no question, they can. Uh, yeah. I've been there. I've been in trouble before and had them bond with me, you know. So mm. I know it is there, and uh, yeah. I think that your lens could find it. Well, I, I, that is exactly what I want to be doing. That if I if I could achieve that in my life, I would. I would be so so pleased. Well, um, you just know that this that. this this gentling pen here is mm. yours for the asking. Anytime yeah. you you can yeah. do it, and uh, yeah. if we can meet in England and get something yeah. uh, akin to it, so that you become acquainted yeah. with what I'm talking about, I would try to yeah. do that for you too. I, and I would learn my left from my right. Oh, <laughs> <Can> I remember. <laughs> Yeah. It's disorienting in there in that round pen a little it bit. It is. I, I didn't know where my legs were or anything. No. But it's amazing. Roger was pretty clever with it all, for, as green as he you is, know, you know? He's very good with, he's really good with horses in a very natural sense. And he, I've been at horse yeah. shows when people have had trouble loading their horses and he'll just go and load them for them. Really? And oh, funny. Um, yeah. It is actually because he, he, he's watched these sort of big tough men trying to get a horse in and he says, I'll do that for you. And he just kind of, you know, gently well, gets you, the horse after, you know, so he's, um, but it's because we followed a, you. <laughs> you might have a greater talent finding uh, the right man in your life than you do with the cameras. 
who knows? Yeah, that's <laughs> you made a very you made a very good choice. I, I'm not. I've not done so badly there, have I? Yeah, really, there is no. Is you that, certainly have. It's really nice it's to meet you both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's oh, really nice it to have so, you. Oh, it was so you know, so lovely to be with you. And um, yeah, it's it was it was a really really special time. Um, really special. And I, I you know, I'm, I'm it, it makes the project I'm doing, horses and humans. I mean, who better to be demonstrating the connection? Um, yeah. than you. So um, it, it, well, was, it you, was perfect. You know where my heart is, and um, yeah. I'm here. And if there's a, another uh, project in this for you, yeah. I'm happy to try to do it. Thank you. Yeah, but that would be lovely. Because I mean, I think more. I mean, I think actually, what you're doing with the with the veterans is um, fascinating because there's a lot of that in this country. Um, there's a lot of very damaged people that have come back from. Oh, I get them all the time um, over there. Yeah. 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 So oh, that that could be an interesting that interesting. I've, interesting I've been made an honorary rural Mar- Royal Marine, you know. Oh, have you? Goodness me, that's, that's marvelous. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I've worked yeah. a lot down in um, in Plymouth there at the bottom. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and and the Royal Marines are there at Bickley Barracks, and mm. I've I've had some incredible times with them there. It's been uh, really yeah. one of the one of the best. Uh, veterans events that i've done we got to get you yeah. together we got to get you two together mm. so we'll um yeah. i don't want to take any more of your time i really appreciate no. both of you, you. in Thanks this impromptu moment no, it's so good to get you back into home lucy i'm yeah. glad you're back home in the mm. uk now yeah and, and, <laughs> i'm glad i'm home now and I, yeah exactly and uh, i wanted to get you two together just to say hi yeah. again and, and oh, make sure that everybody you. knew it was real what happened here for that one magical yeah, day yeah i was really. thinking today I was, thinking, I was thinking, if I contact Monty, will he, you know, did, did, it, did I imagine all of that? Did yeah, it really exactly. happen? You know, because it, um, America seems so far away all of a sudden. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm very, very pleased to talk to you. And it, 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 it's nice to know it was real. Oh, <laughs> we all hear about omega-3 and how important it is for your horse's nutrition. But why? Well, simply put, horses were created to get all of their nutrition from live, natural grasses. Omega-3 is an essential fat found in many types of live grasses, and it's critical to the horse's health. If they were living on live grasses 24-7, they would be receiving enough omega-3. But in today's world, most horses are fed commercial feed and forage as their primary nutrition, and most of these are lacking in omega-3. That's where Omega Fields comes in. All of Omega Fields' flax-based products provide a balanced essential profile of Omega-369 and may be helpful in alleviating problems related to skin, coat, hoof, joint, and sand colic. One of Omega Fields' terrific products is Omega Horse Shine. Omega Horse Shine is an Omega-3 stabilized ground flaxseed supplement for horses to help maintain a shiny, healthy coat, strong, solid hooves, and top performance for horses in all life stages. Omega Fields provides the best human-grade, non-GMO ground flax that can help horses with dry, scaly, itchy skin, joint pain and inflammation, poor hoof growth, allergies, and more. Don't just listen to Debbie and I. Alexandra, a customer of Omega Field, says any horse I ever own, I will feed them Omega Horse Shine and I will recommend it to anyone. You can get your Omega Horse Shine today at omegafields.com or just for our listeners, get 15% off using the coupon code MONTY2015. All one word, it's MONTY2015 for 15% off your next order at omegafields.com. 
omegafields.com. That's omegafields.com. Bark Busters USA, part of the international dog training company founded over 25 years ago uh, by Sylvia and Danny Wilson, is a refined method of dog obedience training that makes dogs dog training easy and accessible to everyone. With Bark Busters, you work directly with a dog trainer in your own home using a method that takes into account the unique challenges you're facing, and then it fosters a positive relationship between you and your dog. It really does. Bark Busters dog trainers focus heavily on training people as much as or more than training dogs so that once you learn to communicate effectively with your dog, you'll have the necessary tools to be an effective dog trainer and the leader of his or her pack. Well, welcome everybody here for Horsemanship Radio. The the, the theme is going to change slightly today because we're going to include Sylvia and Danny Wilson from Barkbusters. But we also have Pat Roberts here as a horse owner, horse trainer, horse shower, and has been doing really well this last year in the reigning. And I'm going to bring her in first because everybody knows that if you have a horse somewhere in your life, you have a dog too. And dogs can be a little different than horses, but I think today we're going to achieve a theme of they're a lot alike as well. So Pat Roberts, how are you? I'm fine and I'm happy to be here. And uh, it's just lovely to have both Sylvia and Danny visiting Flag is Up Farms. And uh, Monty recently uh, did a speech in Las Vegas for Barkbusters, and he really enjoyed himself. And uh, so it, it's just nice to get to see the faces that I've been emailing back and forth to. <laughs> anyway, and, and, and of course, you all know that I have a dog, and I've always had a dog, and I'm a total dog lover. You are. She is a dog lover. We have Monk right now, and he's doing agility and and lots of um, and he's just a love in the family too. I'm glad Mom yeah. got that that last dog she didn't want to get, but she got him. And, <laughs> and Sylvia, I heard the story um, that your husband Danny was brilliant in that he didn't think that you'd ever be able to get Monty Roberts for your conference, but that he surprised you a little bit and he pulled it off. How'd that happen? He did. He actually said to me, who's going to be our keynote speaker at the next conference? And I said, oh, we'll find someone. He said, what about Monty Roberts? And I, you know, I said, oh, there's no way Monty's going to come and talk at our conference. And, uh, well, I was wrong. (laughs) I'm so glad I was wrong. Uh, That was a dream come true. I have followed Monty. I would say for many, many years, and I had no idea that Monty, uh, the sto- when I read the story of Monty and how he, he started out with training horses, and there was I on the other side of the world actually training dogs and very similar style of communication with the animals, and um, it was always my dream to meet Monty, and hey, I just can't believe I keep saying, someone pinch me because I'm going to wake up soon. Oh, we're glad you're here. And Danny, how did you pull it off? What, well, what it's, uh, oh, I, I think, you know, never never say no. I uh, think it's probably the thing is, you know, if, if you can dream something's possible, it will become possible. And I think that's what we did and said, look, we can make this happen and we made it happen. And it just didn't happen because of us. I'm, I'm, you, you know, you guys 
were gracious enough to give us Monty's time, and wow. the timing was absolutely spot on for Monty. And I've got to tell you, you made 150 dog trainers at our conference very, very happy by having Monty at our conference. They were they were over the moon, and I think it wasn't just Sylvia's lifelong dream. I think there was a lot of people in that room that was absolutely honored to have them there. Well, tell us what they were anticipating. What is it that they were looking for in that conference that they found? I think, you know, we've been promoting for a lot of years the communication between dogs and humans, <clears throat> and there's a lot of misconceptions about communication. And I think we've we've always believed that dogs are good listeners, right? And if you give them the right message, the dog will do what you needed to do. And with that, we knew that Monty did the same thing with horses. So, you know, we knew that and we thought, well, if that message can, if Monty can come to our conference and say to people, well, look, this is the way I deal with horses in a very similar way that you guys deal with dogs. And it's all about communication. It's not about browbeating the dog. It's not about hitting the dog. It's not about putting electric collars on the dog or putting um, spike collars on the dog. It's about communicating with the dog. That is the key. And dogs are pack animals. And when you look at your dog in your household and you look at the dog in the corner of the room, you are part of that pack. That is a pack animal. It's a social animal. It needs a social structure. And if it hasn't got a social structure, you've got anarchy. So what we go into in all the cases is anarchy in the household where the dog is actually in control of that household. So yeah. <clears throat> what we do is we try to bring back balance into the household. Now, we're not, we're not about agility or training dogs to do tricks or anything like that. What we're do, really about is getting the dog to fit into the lifestyle of the dog owner. Good, yeah. So it's behavioral. Yeah, it's you're, behavioral. you're working yeah. with the behavioral. Yeah. So yeah. tell us some of the great stories. What are some of the turnaround things that are unusual? That you're, I know you're getting good results. We do. We get some amazing results. And we, you know, as Danny said, we go into a home where there's an imbalance. And it's sad because people are about to get rid of their dog. They're about to, you know, rehome their dog or surrender their dog to a society or a shelter that's already packed to the rafters, as we say in Australia. And it's of concern. Sometimes we are the dog's last hope. So we have to go in and we have to be able to turn that dog around in a very short period of time because the people have just about tried everything. You know, they're at their wit's end. Uh, we had a, a case um, just recently of a dog that had bitten five or six people and uh, it had bitten, finally bitten the owner and they had no idea why this dog was biting them and they were saying to us, well, it's an unprovoked attack. And, you know, we always say there's no such thing. There's no such thing as an unprovoked attack. A dog's telling you, just like the horses tell you, don't do that, I don't like it. And it's a matter of being able to deal with them in a way that they feel comfortable with. And that's basically what we do. We look at why the dog's biting people. There could be a simple reason because people have started maybe alpha rolling the dog, grabbing it by the scruff of the collar and rolling it over on its back because they think that's what the mother did, or dragging the dog back to the scene of the crime, so grabbing its collar and dragging it back to the scene of the crime. So when someone grabs the dog's collar, the dog turns around and snaps at them. 
The next time all they have to do is reach out to the dog and the dog knows what's coming, so it attacks. So we have to then go in and turn those things around and we we do that by, just as Danny said, putting communication in place. We start to get people to communicate in a way that the dog understands because they're treating the dog like a human being and the dog just doesn't get it, doesn't understand what they're trying to do and the dog's lost confidence in them. So, you know, that's a case that we, we turned around. The people were able to keep that dog. They had the confidence now that they knew why the dog was biting them. And that dog has never reoffended. So mm-hmm. they're the kind of stories that we get all the time. Right. And, and Pat, we've got you here mm-hmm. as our horse representation too. But how is it that you think dogs and, and training horses is a little bit the same and a little bit different? Well, I, I think the underlying word here is communication. It, if you want something from a horse, you've got to communicate what you want. And you have to do it in a manner that's acceptable to the horse. And it sounds to me like we're doing the same thing with the dogs. You understand dogs and you understand what gestures and what body movements uh, mean to dogs. Uh, the aggressiveness, if you... I don't know whether it's looking them in the eye or it's squaring up your shoulders or what it is, but uh, because I'm not really a dog trainer, I, I can teach my dog tricks and uh, we're getting better at agility. But uh, with regard to uh, training horses, it, it is all about um, um, nonverbal language of gestures mm-hmm. and communicating through body language. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I was really impressed in your book. Um, and what is the name of the book? It's Barkbuster. It's Speaking Dog the Barkbuster's Way. There mm-hmm. we go. Thank you. It's a great book. Quick read, real easy. And I love the first 10 pages. I felt like I was smarter already, <laughs> just with great ideas. But you were out at what we call the IFA Gentling Pen or our Gentling Pen for the Wild Horses over here. And uh, one of the things that I read in your book is about how you, you just draw the line at striking or causing pain in the dog. You just don't find it necessary. And I'm wondering if you saw any similarities with the way they were training the wild Mustangs that were out there today. Oh, definitely, yes. Look, there is slight differences because we're dealing with two different animals. Um, For example, a dog has got um, the need to be um, with a, a pack, like the same as a a horse likes to be with the herd. So there's a lot of similarities there. But a lot of what Monty was saying today about the fact that um, when something happens to the horse and it kicks out and then that stops, sometimes that can be something that just leads the horse to keep kicking out. So you have to live with that. So it's, you know, as Pat said, it's the communication mm-hmm. and the fact that the body language when the horse was in a comfortable place, then they all turned around and took the pressure off off the horse, and that was beautiful, and that's what Danny and I see in dogs. One of, the things, one of the things we don't do when we go to a home is we don't pat the dog. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> we don't actually put our hands near the dog. We don't try and make friends with the dog. We try to get the dog to meet us on the dog's terms, not on our terms. So in other words, we don't force ourselves upon that animal. Now, very quickly, the dog starts to accept us into its environment because we're not putting the dog under any pressure. 
what human beings tend to do is, oh, there's, um, there's a Rottweiler in the corner, I have to make friends with him. And then they force themselves upon that dog, and that dog might think, well, hang on, I, I'm not quite ready for that level of relationship with you <laughs> just yet. Yeah. You know, so what we tend to do as human beings is we get a bit sort of funny about, oh, well, you, your dog's not very friendly. No, the dog just doesn't want to be touched. That's all the dog's just saying to you, don't touch me. And if I met you for the first time, I wouldn't throw my arms around you. <laughs> I wouldn't pat you on the head. <laughs> I wouldn't um, grab you by the jowls and go, you're a nice girl <laughs> or a nice boy. I think I would be getting into a bit of trouble from a human being if I did that to them for the first time. Human beings do it all the time. Mm. When human beings meet dogs and there's an old fallacy about sticking the back of it, the hand out to get the dog to sniff the hand, mm. <clears throat> that's just crazy. I've never seen a dog walk up to another dog and offer its paw to another dog, ever. <laughs> you know, dogs, when they meet each other, they have a way of greeting each other for, for the first time. Normally things are very stiff. Their body language is very stiff. Everything's moving very slowly. There's no fast movement. And they sniff each other's butts. Yeah. Now, I'm not suggesting your listeners do that either to <laughs> dogs because they're not dogs. So there is a way of greeting a dog for the first time. Let the dog come and sniff you. A sniff in a wagon tail is not an indication that he wants to be friends. Yeah. A wagon tail is only just I'm in anticipating something. It could be I'm anticipating biting you. Mm. I'm anticipating jumping up on you. I'm anticipating running away. I'm anticipating whatever, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. So wagon tail is not a sign of anything apart from anticipation. There's different levels of the tail that you can look at. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So you can get a wiggly bum wagging tail. Yeah. So the dog, that's normally a friendly, really friendly dog. Um, but unless you're really exp expert. an expert in this, this yeah. sort of body language, don't go there because yeah. you're going to get bitten. Yeah. You know, we work with, with uh, horse owners all the time that call us that because their dogs are chasing horses. For yeah. instance, you know, and that's a big problem on horse studs. Mm -hmm. And we have gone and stopped dogs from chasing horses. Mm. In actual fact, our dog, our cattle dog in Australia, we rescued this dog from Japan. And she'd never seen a horse before because she came across in the tsunami when the tsunami was in Japan. We rescued her from Japan, brought her to Australia, took her on that property. And her instinct to go into that to that so mode. she saw a horse. She wanted to go and grab it on the back <laughs> of the, the legs. DNA. Yeah. It's in the it's DNA. A, a cattle dog was saying, there's there's legs, they need to be bitten. <laughs> and because we had trained her, it was very easy to stop her from doing it. Because so, we yeah. had to train our dogs to be able to stop on a dime, on one word, if they were chasing kangaroos or oh. snakes or anything on the property. Because mm. in Australia... There are kangaroos, they lie down in the grass and the dogs will be running through the fields and all of a sudden this big six-foot kangaroo will stand up out of the grass and be facing the dogs. And, of course, the dog's instinct is to go straight in and attack. We would all, no matter where we were on that property, one word, which was the bar. The bar word. <laughs> the bar word I love yeah. that. Yeah. And mm. the dogs would put on the brakes and come charging back to us. Mm. It's funny, I've got to tell you this story. The first horse I was ever, was first dog I was ever called in was when I was back at the RSPCA days. I was called in to stop a dog, a German Shepherd, chasing a horse. And I went through all the processes, which there were several different incremental steps, okay. which, mm -hmm. as Monty says, mm -hmm. incremental steps. And I got to the point where I said to the lady, do you have 
what I call a bomb-proof horse. Mm. And she said, yes, I've got old Molly. And I said, could you bring Molly into the round yard because we're going to stop your dog chasing the horse and we're going to start at that point. We had done some incremental steps to that point, but we're up to that point. So here's Molly galloping around us in this round yard and we've got the dog and I said, right, let your dog go and we need to be able to stop him before he gets to the horse. So, of course, we did. Molly's galloping around full, flat out and in goes the German Shepherd and the lady and I both went with the bar (laughs) and this dog put the brakes on and turned around and came back to us. But the amazing thing was the horse did too. Mm. And the woman said to me, ah, oh, this is the Monty Roberts trained mm. method. This is in Australia. <laughs> and I went, oh, right. And she said, because when the horse is in trouble, it's supposed to mm-hmm. come to you. And I went, oh, wow. You got to join up with the dog and the <laughs> and right, right at that point. <laughs> Just want to explain the bar word to, you, to yeah. your listeners. Um, when the dog's a puppy in the litter, if it steps out of line, the mum would growl at the puppy. She would go, Right, so the puppy knows what a growl is. It's already in its psyche. It's already imprinted in its brain. Yeah. Okay, you'll never take that out. It knows what a growl means. Mm. When a dog tells another dog stop doing something, it growls. It says stop doing what you're yeah. doing. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. that's just a warning to the other dog. This continues. I don't like it. I don't like yeah. it. So it's just it's dog language. So what we're doing by using a bar word is using a growl to let the dog know that it's made a mistake. Now, we use that bar word in every occasion the dog makes a mistake. Right. So, so it's like B-A-H. Yeah. So you say, so, ah. Oh, there we go. There we <laughs> so, go. Scared so, me. <laughs> so, but you can do it different levels. So yeah, you, you, you go, you go bah. Yeah, it doesn't have to be really so bad. In the beginning. Then you go, bah. Yeah. So you can do it at different levels. And all, like if all the dog's on, way, way over yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Or, or it's, it's the dog's just about to run into a road of traffic, mm. then obviously you need to make that the biggest bar you can possibly, because it's mm. going to save the dog's life. Right. So by the time you tell, call your dog back, Fido, come, so he's, he's already in traffic. Right. So you've got to let him know that he's made a mistake. So by using that word, and you listeners, if you use it on your dog tonight, just watch his ears. Mm. You'll... You'll see he knows what the word means. Mm. If you're using the word no today to correct your dog from doing things, so you say no to your dog, I want to ask yourself the question, especially the listeners with children. How many times a day do you use the word no? And when is no meant for the dog? Mm. Good point. Mm. So, you know, this is the trouble. You use no a lot. Mm -hmm. And so the thing is, by using that word, the dog knows it's only meant for it and it's only meant for it when it does something Very wrong. Good. It's really your stop word. Mm-hmm. It's your stop word. It mm-hmm. says stop. So just know. a little hint for you guys. Um, just when you open the door, say a door in the house and the dog's going to go through, just use the door as a correction, right? So we're going to open the door a little bit and the dog's going to Just try a and, fraction. Just a fraction. The dog's going to try and go through the door and just go, bah, close the door, okay? And I bet you about the fourth or fifth time you'll turn around and your dog will be sitting. Waiting for you. Waiting for you to open that door. <laughs> Try then that open, on your dog tonight. Then no. open the door a little bit more. And if he tries to go, bah, close the door again. Okay, and just keep doing that until he sits. Then you can open the door. And when you're ready, say free, and he'll go through that door. 
And what you've done by doing that, you've actually conditioned him to the bar word. Mm-hmm. You know, he's known that. It's a quick way to get yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Good way. Okay. Thank you for sharing that because yeah. I was very curious. I wanted to ask the question. How what is ba- Yeah, and <laughs> how do you think? How do you, yeah, how do you, and you, do you yeah. said something yeah. about the uh, ba is closer to the, the sound that they make and that no actually is the only way they... Howling. Vocalize that as a howling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's that made sense yeah. to me. Right. Yes, they wouldn't use it like no. that. They don't. Dogs don't really hear that sound. And for example, Danny was doing a lecture in um, Israel to a room full of vets, and yeah. there was four speakers before him. And it, the whole time they were in a, on a property where there was a dog, a German Shepherd, barking well, the it, whole it, time. We were outside. It was a stage, you know, and there was a boarding facility, and there was this cage. With this German Shepherd, and he was just barking all, and we could hardly hear the guest speakers. And it came to my turn at the end, and I said, "This is quite annoying, isn't it?" And he said, "Yes." I said, "Would you like me to stop the dog from barking?" And they all laughed. They said, "Oh yeah." <laughs> and so I got the dog out of the cage and I brought him over. German, beautiful German Shepherd. Did some work with him and um, put him back, and he went woo 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 from bar, and he went and lay down, <laughs> and everybody went. So he had a riveted audience. Yeah, exactly. We've been like two and a half hours oh. putting up with that bathroom. Why didn't we do that earlier? Yeah, that's right. That was me. Well, you guys are amazing. And obviously the book I'm, I'm just uh, amazed by. I read it in one sitting last night. It was, it's an easy read. It's really good. And I'm sure everything else that you guys touch and I got, you've got some, um, tools, you've got a harness, you've got some toys and other things. So I hope people find you. What what website address do you want to give? It's um, www.barkbusters.com. Good enough. That makes total See. sense. Bark Busters. And please come back and tell us more great stories and come back to Flag Us Up Farms. And thank you, Mom, for sitting in on with us and providing the dog. It's been fascinating. Monk here. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for being on Horsemanship Radio. Whisper it's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts' inbox and share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call Ask Monty. Leave this world a better place than mine. The magic in the language of the Dear Monty, I was just wondering if you have to use an enclosed area for join-up as I live on a Scottish island and it is hard to get access to one. Would a small field do? Monty's answer. The book Shy Boy, The Horse Who Came In From The Wild and the documentaries made about Shy Boy depict how I did join-up with him with virtually no enclosure whatever. The fact is that it was nearly 12 miles to the nearest fence when I was causing him to join up with me. I suppose it is a possibility that your Scottish island is even smaller than the 42,000 acres where I worked with Shy Boy. Every time you approach your horse in a field, the stable, or the round pen, you are communicating in the language equus. The way you hold your body, the placement of your eyes, and the movement of your hands all tell the horse your thoughts and intentions. It is important to remember that communication with your horse is a continuous process. As long as you have a safe environment, join-up is possible. If you have a large field in which to do join-up, you may need to walk a little bit further than if you were in a round pin, but you will be amazed to see the horse begin to move in circles and arcs around you as it communicates. 
However, police do not lose sight of the fact that a safe round enclosure, approximately 15 feet, 16 meters in diameter, with good footing, is the optimum environment into which to do join up. I answer this question all over the world, and I understand the fact that people want to know if they can do the work without a round pin. The answer is yes, but a major part of the answer is that an appropriate round pin is the best way to go. Many horse people further inquire as to what the recommended design is for the optimum round pin, so I will give a brief outline of what I consider to be the best design in part two in episode 75. For more of these insights into good horsemanship, go to www.montyroberts.com and click on the orange banner that says, Get Free Horse Tips. Hi, I'm Monty Roberts, and I'm dedicated to training horses without pain. You can learn to do it too on my Equus Online University. Western, English, the beginner, or the advanced rider, it doesn't matter. You can connect with other students online too on our forum, and there's a new lesson every week. It's a lifetime of learning for you on my Equus Online University at MontyRoberts.com. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Where in the world is Monty Roberts? Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged. October 15th, right away, he's got the Living Legend Tour in Lancashire, UK. Then October 21, he's in Gloucester, Hartbury. And then October 26, Surrey. October 29, Devon. November 3rd, East Yorkshire. And November 5th, he'll be in Lincolnshire. And you can find all of that at the website, montyroberts.com. Or if you want to talk to a real person who can help you out, you can call Monty's Place. It's 805-688-6288. And for details about today's entire show, you can go to horsemanshipradio.com, where you will find links, photos, and more information about today's guests. And we love to get feedback from you folks. That's how we make this show wonderful. Follow mm-hmm. us on Facebook. Just go and look for Monty Roberts. Or you can tweet. You can. That's right. Monty Robert tweets. His Twitter handle is Monty underscore Roberts. And go get the app. It's available for your iTunes or <laughs> it's available for your Android or iPhone. Just go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network and download it. It's quick and it's free and it's easy. Or subscribe via iTunes. That's the old-fashioned way now, but believe it or not now. Is it? Yeah. Oh, that's God, scary. Way. I thought I was getting so smart. And many thanks to our sponsors, too, IFA.com, Omega Fields, and Monty Roberts University. Be sure to vo- visit the other great shows, too, on the Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. You can listen to Glenn and Jen together. And until next time, have many happy horse hours. <laughs>